The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. A look at what's going on with education as a result of COVID-19. There's some perhaps question marks about what the future might look like of the university campus because COVID-19 has changed how universities operate and increasingly universities are going online. To talk about this, we've got Catherine Friday who's with us uh, and she's the EY Global Head of Education. Catherine, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So you've put together a report and the report has found that COVID-19 will really change the way that the university experience operates. So in the past, it's been very much on campus, but now a lot more flexibility in learning. That's exactly right. Um, So we actually in 2018 wrote a paper that predicted that this might happen anyway by 2030. But of course, what we didn't predict was COVID. And so the 2030 that we anticipated actually arrived in 2020. So as part of writing this paper, we engaged with around 32 executives from universities around Australia to say, is what we think we're seeing actually what we're seeing? And they all said, absolutely. Um, the, the, the past of campus-only education is leaving us behind and the future for higher ed in particular is going to look very, very different. Back when I was at university, which wasn't all that long ago, yeah. uh, they still had online lectures back in those mm-hmm. days, of course. Um, but a lot of the academics, the professors said, no, we're not going to put our class online because we actually want you to come in person because we actually like one of uh, my lecturers, I remember saying, um, academics love an audience. They like to have an audience in front of them in the lecture theatre while they're talking. And I think that's possibly true. But one of the things that COVID is actually asking universities to do is not necessarily think about what's best for academics, but to think about what's best for students. And if we have students at the centre of the equation, then the dynamics change quite considerably. And of course, delivering digital education isn't just about taping lectures or, you know, taking analogue content and putting it online. It's actually accessing the rich array of really high quality teaching and learning content that's available globally. And for universities to actually um, think about not just what do they want to deliver that they've developed themselves, but what information and content that can they curate for all of their student body that gives every student the access to the highest quality content on that topic from around the world. Do you think there's any university or educational institution now that's doing that, really using the power of what we have with digital to change the way that we learn at university? Or is is there still that tendency to, as you say, take analogue and just try and convert it into digital? Look, I don't think anyone is doing it yet. However, it must be said a number of our leading universities are thinking about what that looks like and are working with firms like ours to actually develop and design their digital strategies going forward. And 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 they recognise clearly that what was life pre-COVID isn't the way life is going to be for teaching and learning, the same as it's not going to be for work or indeed at most other endeavours of life post-COVID. So at the moment, you know, with universities, there's lectures, tutorials, labs, those sorts of things. Do you have an idea of what it might look like in the future and how that digital element might change the structure of education? Absolutely. So we talk a lot about synchronous and asynchronous learning. So the asynchronous learning is what students do in their own time, you know, where they want, when they want, and that's accessing digital content that their lecturers and tutorials suggest would be of great interest to them and is of benefit to them. The synchronous is what they do together, um, and that will be what they do on campus. But that will be in much smaller groups. So as you say, in labs, 
or tutorial type settings, but much more closely working with academics rather than, say, first years just getting their content from third years. Um, so to really lift the quality of the whole teaching and learning experience that students get so that it's um, really designed around the students and what they need to get the best possible higher education experience they can. Over the last couple of years, I've gone back to a couple of different university campuses and I've been amazed at the investment in uh, some of the big buildings and very fancy equipment that they've got there, which is all predicated on people coming along and uh, engaging in person. I mean, what happens to all of that investment as a result of these significant changes? So a lot of universities are actually thinking, exactly as you say, around how do they repurpose the physical assets that they have? How do they invite industry onto the campus and make um, greater rich of those assets for the, you know, for the full year and not just for the academic year as well? Um, and uh, you know, correspondingly, a lot of them are thinking about future capital um, expenditure requirements and thinking, well, um, our biggest investment should not actually be in bricks and mortar, but it should be in investing in our digital infrastructure and our digital backbone, because that is probably going to be more important for us going forward than what, you know, the buildings that we already have on campus. How will the way that this is changing affect the job market? Because I see here in your report that there is talk about on-the-job learning, micro-credentials. How is that different from what we're going through at the moment? So we will see, I think, increase in the amount of um, uh, training and education that is just freely, well, if not freely available, available at a very low cost um, globally. And as you say, a lot of big organisations now, so a lot of big companies, a lot of big firms, such as my own, in fact, um, offer a lot of um, learning and development opportunities for their own staff, which actually carry an external um, accreditation, uh, whether it be at a um, diploma or degree or even master's level. So universities are no longer the sole source of those types of um, education experiences as they were in the past. How does that change your university's business model and the way that I suppose it generates revenue to support all of what it does? It really requires universities to think more around what they want to specialise in. Um, And in the Australian higher education market, all of our universities have been broad-based and comprehensive. So um, everyone has done everything more or less. And what the current market requires is that universities think much more strategically around what do they want to be specialist in? How do they invest their scarce resources in those particular areas of research and teaching and education um, and seek to engage with students who themselves want to be specialists in those areas? And that requires both a change in the higher education sort of delivery market, but also in terms of changing students' expectations around where they will go to university. Um, a lot of Australian students, myself included, you know, have been um, traditionally very parochial. You know, we've gone to the university that happens to have been closest to our home or our high school. Mm. More than likely, it'll be, our, you know, a university within our state. But as we see more differentiation and specialisation across the sector, it may well be that Australian students need to think further afield to study at the best university for the topic that they're really passionate about. So any student could go to any university around the world. And isn't that an interesting point about differentiating and saying, well, where the university you go to if you want to study uh, science or communication or even more um, specialised fields than that? That's exactly right. And I think that's very much what the future of the sector looks like. 
That's incredible. And uh, the report was uh, done by doing 32 in-depth interviews with uh, leading university vice-chancellors and experts from around Australia and New Zealand. So it seems like you've got an interesting cross-section there. Was there a lot of difference, for example, in what regional areas were saying as opposed to the metropolitan areas? Did things like that come up? No, in fact, there was a remarkable degree of consistency across all of the interviews that that we held. I think we were expecting the topic to be a bit controversial and for there to be some resistance from some of the uh, the, the executives that we spoke to, but they were all very clear that the sector is is um, in a state of flux. Some were surprised that it was happening in their lifetimes. They expected that it would happen, but not now. But all were in agreement that um, the, the whole sector is in a in a stage of transition and transformation. Well, thanks very much for being on the program. Fascinating development, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. Thanks for having me. Catherine uh, Catherine Friday with us there, the EY Global Head of Education, talking about this report, which has found that COVID-19 has accelerated the demise of the university campus. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's front page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts.